0: Hello, and welcome to CMO Convo, the podcast from CMO Alliance, where we tackle important issues facing CMOs and top level marketers. Today, I'm speaking to Serjan Popovich, CMO of CrossRope, on his bootstraps route to the CMO role, how his background as a mechanical engineer influences his approach to marketing, and the value of outsider perspectives to avoid stagnation. This episode brought to you by Deep Crawl. Savvy CMOs know that SEO has never been a more important part of their marketing mix. Ranking at the top of Google search results has a direct impact on revenue by lowering customer acquisition costs, but content and keyword optimization is only part of the picture. Following recent search engine updates, your overall website health and technical performance are key to ranking well in 2021 and beyond. With DeepCrawl's all-in-one technical SEO and website health platform, your team will have the tools it needs to track your website's technical performance, improve page ranking, and stay top of mind with customers by staying top of the search results in Google. Join leading brands who already use Deepcrawl, including teams at Adobe, eBay, Twitch, PayPal, Microsoft, and Canva. Visit deepcrawl.com to ensure your brand reaches its full revenue potential through the one initiative most marketing teams overlook, Technical SEO. Hi, Surgeon. How are you doing today?
1: Good. Well, thanks for having me. How are you doing? I'm
0: good. Um, I'm good. I'm very excited for this conversation. It's always nice to get a chance to speak to CMOs, particularly ones with, with interests and backgrounds like yourself. So today we're talking about how your background as a mechanical engineer has pre- prepped you for the CMO role, um, which is going to be a very interesting thing, because it's not a usual path into the CMO role. A lot of CMOs come from more dedicated marketing paths, or so they come from um, maybe more, more, I don't want to say more creative paths, but more sort of like academic roots, like literature and stuff like that. So, um, mm-hmm. So before we get down to look, looking at those sort of like nitty gritty skills that you've got from there. Maybe you want to talk a bit about your your background and your current role as a CMO.
1: Yeah, for sure. um So yeah, I mean it's it's interesting you mentioned where CMOS come from. I find like um, I got into engineering because it was the I guess Eastern European thing to do. Um, you know, my my family immigrated in a Canada in the mid nineties. Um, you know school academics in general was always you know a high priority in the household and then you know coming into high school and then figuring out what you're going to do with the rest of your life I mean um engineering was at the top of my list or well, top of my parents list I should say um you know they just they wondered what was the best for me um, I honestly didn't know much about what engineering was or what it, what it was about I was you know uh, I did my part in school, got good marks, focused on basketball. That was my passion at the time, um, and you know, so I ended up in engineering because I had the good grades, and all my you know friends were were sort of you know coming from the similar backgrounds entering and entering in engineering, and so I, I got into it because I was I was able to. Um, what I found after graduating, you know, all of us got you know, went into the field, but a few years in, you know, most of my engineering friends ended up going into other industries. You know, a lot of them went into finance. uh, Some of them went into tech, you know, and a couple like myself just went into like this, you know, e-commerce and marketing. So, you know, um, as well, I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. It's it definitely builds a good foundation um, of skills of, you know, work ethic, um, just the sort of ingredients you need to really tr- flourish in any, uh, any industry that's sort of fast paced like those ones that I mentioned, right? A lot of things changing quickly. Um, you know, e-com as an example is obviously accelerated very quickly over the past few years. And I feel a lot of the skills and things I've picked up along the way, in, you know, in, in, uh, in university and then in the subsequent years working in the engineering field. A lot of the skills I picked up just, uh, you know, have f- come in very handy in a in, in, uh, time and in, in industry like this. So, yeah, I mean, my entrance into engineering was, you know, uh, almost like culturally based, and then um, my exit out of it. I mean, that's a whole other, uh, whole other story. I can, I mean, I'm happy to get into how I transitioned, but um, I just found like you build it helps you build the right foundation that lets you sort of really. Um, going into any in industry almost um, and figure out how to how to make
0: your market marketing yeah let's dive into how you how you transitioned into marketing because I'm, I'm sure that's got to be that, that must have been sure, a bit yeah. like culture i don't say culture mm-hmm. shock but like it's a big it, it sounds to me like a big change between engineering and marketing but if you don't think yeah. it was a big change i want to i want to hear about why you thought it was the, the right jump to make
1: sure sure yeah um so it stems a little bit from what I mentioned earlier about basketball being my passion. Like I played the sport growing up because my, my dad played the sport. And so it, uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of things in my life I can credit to, you know, just the early days of really just playing a game and um, it eventually led into my interest and passion for fitness and, and training um, that, I, that I picked up in high school, you know, just trying to like improve myself uh, so I can play the game better. And then uh, in high school, I took this one course, just maybe fortuitously, um, called like communications technology. And through that, I got to learn sort of all the things that, you know, e-commerce built around today. I learned how to build websites, although, you know, we, at the time we were using Dreamweaver and Flash and whatnot you know learned 3d auto uh animation uh, audio editing uh, video filming and and editing like all the stuff and i just love that's by far my favorite class and i just fell in love with the creativity with the tech um and it's sort of like uh you know i even considered animation as a potential career opportunity until i realized there wasn't really much money to be made at least (laughs) at the time but anyway um you know, that was my first sort of little taste of this online marketing or online tech world. And um, for whatever reason, you know, those two passions of mine, fitness and, and this tech space um, merged once I graduated from university. And i just like, I remember reading about these books early on, like how to blog, how to create a blog using Blogger, like just like some some random stuff. And just for whatever reason, I came across that. I was fascinated by it. And so after graduating from university, while I was, in, you know, entering the engineering uh, field, I started tinkering. I built my or created my own fitness blog, my YouTube channel, really just sort of as like a playground. I just You know, I love writing. So it's an outlet for me to you know, write about fitness, something I really enjoyed. And I, uh, my philosophy around it was just focusing on simple exercise tools, you know, kettlebells, your body weight, jump ropes, et cetera. And so, um, around 2011, so about a year after I graduated a couple, I had a couple, um, YouTube videos do really well. Like they started getting in like millions of views, just me jumping rope and different times, obviously, uh, in the YouTube space. So, um, But the jump rope space was so small and it's still kind of relatively small at the time that uh, when our now CEO of Crossroad first launched the product in 2011-ish, 2012, the space was so small that, you know, I had the best performing jump rope video. He had this new uh, weighted jump rope system that he sort of prototyped. And uh, we just kind of like found each other online and started connecting. And, you know, for a couple of years two, three years we just sort of bounced ideas off each other. He was a former Navy pilot. So he was, you know, his doing his thing there and building Crossrope up, you know, slowly as a side project. And I was uh, building my blog and YouTube channel as a side project for my engineering work. And then, you know, we started. Uh, Really talking about this idea of like, hey, what what would it be like if we just came together and focused on one project? Because he also has an engineering background, as you know, and so we sort of really clicked in our approach to things and our like sort of systematic way of of, of, of you know creating content and and, uh, and and growth in general. And so um, in 2015, he said uh, we started talking about it and we floated this idea. Hey, why don't you just come and do marketing? for Crossroad, like you handle that, you know, still really on, early on. There weren't really any, um, you know, there were maybe one or two employees just sort of handling EA type, type of stuff. And, and, uh, obviously I was, was a you know, a uh, pivotal moment, right. Uh, I was doing really well. Um, or I was really enjoying what I was doing in the engineering field at the time. I was, you know, sort of like my, um, dream, uh, dream role in a sense um, I was I, I made a couple attempts in between me graduating and me joining crossroad to leave engineering actually I had it's a whole other story I had an offer from a, a PPC agency um, to to join and I, I would have but then this new opportunity came and long story short 2015 came around and it was sort of like this if I'm ever gonna give this marketing thing which I'm doing on the side all the you know, evenings, weekends, all the time. If I'm going to give this a true attempt. Um, this is sort of like the best opportunity that I have, and engineering will always be there for me if things go south. And so I took the leap, um, you know, had a really long uh, transition period. It was probably like eight weeks because uh, I was sort of leading a department at the engineering firm I was at. And, you know, mid 2015, I was, uh, you know, I think titles at the time, right? Like director of marketing uh, at Crossroad When there were two of us, um, so uh, you know that's how the transition happened. Um, and you know, it's the now looking back. Obviously, it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Um, it's been a blast. It's been about six years now since that since that transition. Um, and so that's that's how it, that's how it helped me out.
0: So it, it sounds kind of like bootstrappy how you how you taught yourself marketing like it sounds like you're very self-taught is that giving you a certain philosophy of and how you um how you approach marketing how you how you approach the CMO role like do you still have that sort of like self-taught mindset when you when you're going about how thing how you how you do your do your role
1: for sure I mean everything I mean like we mentioned earlier like e-commerce and online marketing like the whole landscape is an ecosystems is changing and evolving so quickly that there's no textbook that can prepare you uh, for being successful in this, in this sort of field. I find the people who are curious and who are able to learn uh, very quickly and adapt very quickly are the ones who typically do well within this field. Um, which are sort of the things you learn from, from engineering. Like it was a very, even just the schooling, it was a very intense five-year program. You know, uh, you, you absorb an insane amount of information in a very short period of time. And then you're, in you're sort of forced, uh, to learn it or, you know, and obviously as a, as a high drop-off rate, uh, because it's, it's so demanding. And I feel like five years of that really condition you to learn and absorb in a um, uh, you know, I've, I feel like my curiosity, like I'm, I feel like I'm always learning, always reading, always listening to podcasts, always just trying to like, you know, understand where, where the, um, the industry is going, where it is like, um, pulling inspiration and ideas and insights from other marketers, CMOs, um, and others in the e space. So I feel like, um, you know, the self-taught approach is almost like the only approach uh, to being successful here, because which it just changes too quickly for there to be any sort of formal education that will prepare you uh, for the, the ups and downs of this of this field. From my experience, anyway. So, um, yeah, definitely. I mean, and uh, I'll say like when I I do a lot of recruiting. Um, I'll say I don't look at education like very much, or I don't. I mean, I look at it. I don't put a lot of emphasis uh, into it. Um, I'm more interested in the people who are working on side projects, building out their own, you know, blogs and podcasts, and just tinkering, because that's how you learn in this space. Like you learn from doing, you learn from trying and testing and experimenting, regardless of the outcome. You know, I had, I had one candidate, I remember I was super impressed because she had a poetry blog and nothing to do with like what she was going to be doing at, um, you know, within her role, but it showed me like, here's somebody who's willing to put themselves out there, learn how to create a blog, which, you know, these days, today's day and age, super easy, but still it takes initiative. Um, you know, and then she's out there publishing stuff. She's putting herself out there. And I, and I know what it, because I've been there, I know what it takes to like, start something like that and learn and watch YouTube videos, or read books or whatever it might be, just figure something out. And I find in marketing, that's what you're doing all the time. You're always facing problems, challenges. And so how do we deal with, you know, was, you know, you know, changes in privacy, you know, things going on right now. Um, we're all facing the same challenges I find those who have conditioned themselves. Uh, to really learn and iterate that quickly are the ones who sort of flourish.
0: You mentioned tinkering and problem solving, and forgive me if I'm coming at this from a position of ignorance, but that sounds like a lot like what engineers do. That sounds like a lot of, like what they do. They they tinker with issues. They tinker with minor little issues. They yeah. find ways to approach problems in a creative way. When you're going about that process, do you find you're doing that in a sort of like an engineering process? Are you approaching that with the mindset of an engineer when you're tinkering, when you're, when you're solving problems, or is it more of, or is it more of just a universal marketing thing?
1: No, there's definitely some, some, some elements of that. I mean, even thinking back to like my last role as an engineer, you know, I was designing, you know, um, I was designing sheet metal, Uh, sheet metal like uh, wall panels, you know, for commercial buildings. Um, So uh, we had these like massive multi-million like uh, dollar sheet metal bending and cutting stations and you know, you basically design something on paper you build it out in a, a 3D format and then you need to figure out how to build it in real life using these machines and so it wasn't like a Oh, this is how you build it. Let's just go put this code into the machine. It was literally like thousands of attempts with the smallest iterations to make sure you got the perfect bend angle down because you're, what you're building is, is a process for the machine to follow to be able to, uh, you know, uh, pop thousands of these panels out every single day without any, you know, uh, changes in sort of the the specifications that are required. So, you know, it's the same approach I find, you know, when I'm trying to build, you know, we're trying to build like a landing page or designing a campaign or, you know, uh, trying to optimize, uh, you know, pop up for conversions, or if we're looking at, you know, um, uh, a paid advertising, you know, campaign or test or whatever. Like, you're not going to put something out there and it's going to work, right? Sometimes, um, but m- most of the time, you're going to have to go back in, assess what worked, assess what didn't, iterate, tweak, and so it's a very iterative and continuous improvement type approach, which. Um, sort of, uh, we had to do a lot with a lot um, of as engineers. So there's definitely those parallels, and I mentioned earlier, some of those skills and uh, habits that you pick up, right? Like uh, so it's a tedious process at times. And I, I feel like we've been able to build in some of these frameworks and philosophies into the way we do marketing at um uh, because myself or CEO, we both stem, we both sort of come from these very systematic, systematic um, um, I guess, even mindsets and, and approaches to solving uh, solving problems. So yeah, definitely um, there's, there's parts of engineering that have sort of uh, made their way into how we do marketing uh, for sure. But I wouldn't say that's the, I think that's a part of, of marketing. I think one downside I could say from, you know, coming from an engineering field is that you're, you're very heavily like reliant on this iterative and continuous improvement uh, process that it's very difficult uh, to sometimes pull yourself out of that. And, and, you know, just what's the next big thing? Well, like get away from the continuous improvement mindset. So let's think what's the next creative idea. And this is where, you know, it's super important to surround yourself with people who are not necessarily like systematic thinkers or, or or operate you know with checklists and processes and you know and, and whatnot they're they're the they're the what we call i guess the creatives you know they're the, they just think differently approach things differently we obviously have completely opposite um uh, human approaches to life right like i i live my life by spreadsheets and, and systems and i feel completely discombobulated when i'm out of my routine um, but I know others, you know, are very different from that, and you know, their creativity comes from not being in a routine, right? Or from you know, approaching uh, work and life very differently. And so, I found over the years, like those those individuals are also very important to, to sort of have a nice uh, rounded marketing team, so you can have that sort of uh, you know system where you're continuously iterating and improving on all, all these touch points, all these, all these things. So your conversion rates going up just a little bit on all these touch points and your landing pages are getting just a little bit better your ads are improving. And then you got these big thinkers and creatives that can like, Hey, check out this like bomb new idea, nothing to do with anything we're doing. right now." And then, so you sort of like figure out how those two uh, blend together into sort of like a healthy mix.
0: That sort of ties into um, something I wanted to ask when you when you talk about recruitment. Um, so you mentioned having these creatives in the space. Is that sort of you filling in sort of skill gap, your own skill gaps? Is that what you're doing when it comes to recruitment? You're you're finding people that can sort of slot into what's missing in what you're able to do with your processes. Like you find the creative. Like you you said you don't you don't necessarily have like that creative side no, actually, I'm going to rephrase that. Um, like you might not, you, you have a very process-driven mindset.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Whereas, like, having, do you, do you intentionally bring in creatives to fill in that, that, that gap, that, out, that outside the process mindset?
1: Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, I can't say from the, my very early on, excuse me, from my early days of recruiting that I was actively thinking about it from that approach i mean i think from a recruiting st- standpoint we're always sort of biased to hire people similar to ourselves right mm-hmm. um what you what we've learned sort of over the years i mean is um especially through like examples like we've uh, and, and internally i mean we have built a fairly uh, fairly diverse team but i'd say The the best examples are with some of the agency partners um, that we've, you know, that we've started working with over the past few years where some of the, you know, just even discussions with them. They've seen some of these big creative ideas and these sort of, you know, I'm sure they operate uh, with processes internally, but they know uh, they're not as uh, as close um, to everything as you are. Right. And so that they're looking at it from a completely different perspective. And so I'd say it's, yeah, definitely. It's something I've I've become more mindful of uh, in the latter half of my, you know, years at Crossrope in the recruiting space, like just trying to think, even, you know, looking at personality types and, and stuff like that to really assess like, yes, we want people to mesh and blend well and work well together. And there are certain personality traits that go that you, that you want to have sort of a common thread through, but there are some traits with these things where um, you, it, it's important to think about for sure. Otherwise you're just, like I said, you're just going to get stuck in this continuous iteration loop and, and, and never have that next um, next idea that's going to sort of elevate the business uh, and, or, or have some sort of needle moving effect. So for us, I mean, Working with specific agencies, especially on the creative front, really allowed us to like push our boundaries. Like when, you, when you're so close, you think you just know what's what's going to work, right? Uh, but I think when when you work with partners or hire people internally that just think differently, um, you can get a you can accelerate that, and you can sort of just get some some perspectives that you don't even know you're, uh, you're missing out on, right? So. Um, something that's still you know i'm I'm experiencing and trying to improve on myself through the recruiting process and and, and how we're structuring it
0: so that that's sort of outside a point of view um you mentioned like that being too close to something can can put blinders on um which could apply to sort of marketing as a whole like marketers like particularly people who have come up through like they've learned marketing at at college like they've they've gone through like a marketing internship like they've gone climb climb the ladder that sort of like incremental way there are these certain processes and certain approaches to marketing that they get taught along the way that they might there might be inefficient but we're just too close to did you recognize anything when you moved into the marketing space like coming from it from a completely different background was there were there any processes or frameworks that we as marketers are doing that you thought just inefficient or just wrong from Um, then it it could be replaced by a more engineering approach, so to speak.
1: speak. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say, I mean, because I I haven't, you know, obviously I have a lot of, you know, connections and friends and, you know, I kind of have a sense of how some operate, but coming into this field, you know, back in 2015, 2016, I had no reference points or what, you know, was normal or traditional in the sense of, you know, how other marketers or marketing teams are operating. So we just sort of, um, we just sort of like try to, you know, figure it out ourselves um, through books and and whatnot. I'd say if I had to pick one, um, I find like through conversations, um, a lot of marketers operate. Uh, by sort of like gut feel, you know, in terms of how they make decisions, even big ones. Um, I mean, for, for us, like, one of the most effective things we did was sort of, you know, we're, for example, we're very big on the EOS system and the tools that they have, and we're very disciplined around how we follow and use that system. and you know, and we've built our own sort of modifications and variations and dashboards and whatnot, but we, we try to make, you know, for making bets, like we try to make sure those are based on as much data and insights and, uh, outside sort of, uh, reference points as possible. Whereas it just fine. Like people they'll make Decisions, sometimes good ones, sometimes bad ones, just based on gut and sort of minimal, you know, sort of uh, uh, minimal input you know, in a sense, right? So I don't know if that's, uh, you know, I have a lot of uh, people that I connect with that have very robust frameworks for how they make decisions and whatnot. But from my experience, it's just even some big companies—they just like, you know, like why did you do that? Oh, it's just that you know, gut feel. Right, where it's like, well, you know, on our end, and maybe this sort of shoot we shoot ourselves in the foot, but at least I feel it's a protection mechanism for the most part. It's a very robust framework for the you know tools we have in place to be able to make better, faster decisions. So um, obviously data is sort of the hot topic over the past couple of years and it's really easy to get sucked in by the noise. So I understand where and why, uh, or why uh, marketers are coming from that point. It's, it's really challenging uh, to pinpoint the signals from all the noise, right? So you really have to know what you're looking for and what you're looking at um, to be able to make decisions based on data. So anyway, I don't know if that perfectly answers the question, but it feels like, you know, we've, we feel like our approach has been, has been, uh, you know, helpful in in sort of the decisions we've made to get us to where we are today. And I don't know if all marketers are sort of reliant on data, you know, as much, and obviously there's different parts of the business. I'm sure we can lean on and rely on data even more so, um, or, or insights. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, that that would be my, what I'd say is sort of like the one thing we approached, little bit differently than what I at least saw from, from some
0: of my conversations. Yeah, I mean, you, you absolutely can't rely on gut feel when it comes to engineering, can you? Like, you put, you can't, you can't say this is where a screw needs to go based on gut feel because you put a screw in the wrong place and a bridge can fall down. Like, you, you sure. have to, you have to know exactly where it's going based on data, based on science, based based on a scientific approach. Yeah. And I think, I think it is, it, it has been changing in marketing. Like, gone are the days of like Don Draper, Mad Men sitting there coming up with a great idea and like they're all smoke and reefer around there and trying to come up with like this cool fancy idea like you need to have that data driven approach now i think
1: yeah i mean it's funny you mentioned those because i feel like i feel like those will more and more make a comeback in a way not obviously to the full extent but you know as as data becomes less you know uh more and more ubiquitous but less and less sort of like reliable um, we're, we're going to be, I think, like as marketers, we'll be forced to get back to sort of like the, the creative, you know, brand building, gut feel type of place uh, where it, it's all about having, uh, you know, the relevant experience um, and inputs to have a high, lo- high enough level of confidence that something will work. Like even with data, there's no decision we make that we're 100% certain. Like that's this is how it's going to play out. I think it's just when you're thinking, thinking in bets, and just you know, you want to have as many inputs that's just going to increase your confidence level on things. And hey, sometimes it might mean um, going with something that you only have 50% confidence level because the upside is just much larger than the downside, right? By if there if there's a campaign that I'm going to spend you know, uh, a hundred thousand dollars on, but I have the, the you know, based on the inputs I'm getting, I can, you know, I, I feel like the upside is, you know, in millions, uh, even if I have a 50% confidence level, I might still go for it. Right. And so, um, I think it just, that type of like thinking, and, you know, and the it just takes practice, and you know, it's never perfect, and you have to sort of feel comfortable and you have to be able to assess risk, you know, a little bit more effectively. Um, but I feel like we're all gonna have to move further and further down that stream where even like paid social right now, I mean, most brands or all brands are really operating on a, you know, um, pressing the I believe button. Uh, that the campaigns are actually materializing some returns because the, the data points that we used to have um, just aren't there anymore. So, um, yeah, I mean that it, it does. That part is very different than some of the engineering uh, things that we worked on. Like you said, like you can't you can't necessarily operate on gut feel, um, but you do learn how to sift through through data, through literature, through and collect the information you need to you know whether to design something properly or you know uh, something of that nature so yeah i mean it's it's all interesting how it blends and, and, and differs and um and uh, where everything is going i guess with with marketing in general so is
0: it is it is it a philosophy you're trying to impart to your team that this kind of data data-driven approach this kind of this method engineering methodology of sifting through data are you are you training your team to do that or are you looking for people who have that ability already
1: i mean there's definitely training involved um i think it's the training is more coming around the mindset like we can spend all week looking at data like there's enough of it there for us to sift through all day long i think it's just how do, the challenge is how do you do that quickly efficiently you know in in order to pull the right insights to make the right next decisions or you know next actions right so um it's it's more around like that mindset like knowing what to look for where to look for it and how to make decisions based on it even if you don't have all the data that you need to make to make a decision um that's really like stuff we try to emphasize when, you know, when we have our meetings and when we're going through data, like, I just ask a lot of why's like, why did this happen? Oh, because this happened. Well, why did that happen? Right. And you just sort of like keep going down this, you know, uh, funnel of why's until, you know, hopefully you come away with a good insight or resolution or whatever it might be. So um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously when, when I'm recruiting, it's nice when there's, um depending on role like what uh there's some experience in data analysis side because every marketer uh, i said dependent on role but it just feels like every marketer in a way has to rely on data in some form or fashion um so the more effective you are and this is where like you know for me coming into uh the marketing world in 2015 i feel like i already had like because i was so deep into google analytics while building my blog and youtube was i was all about seo and figuring you know and, and learning that that channel that i was in google analytics all the time and you know still am to to a degree and so i feel like that's where like the curiosity comes from i want to know why did this happen let me see if i can sift through some of the data to pull the pull the insights it's frustrating and and it can be sometimes to try to you know really find the culprit for some things. Um, you know, it's it's a I think it's a helpful, useful skill um, for for marketers to have.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you've just got to take that that gut feeling to realize what the the culprit is. You can ask why so many times, and eventually someone's gonna get the point. I don't actually know, and sometimes right. you just gotta make some kind of educated guess. On what would the reasoning was behind a certain campaign didn't work, why a certain um certain piece of copy isn't getting the the number the click throughs that you were hoping to get like sometimes you do have to just take that the educated 100%. guess. Yeah. Um so did, are, are you looking for people who can make those educated guesses or are you um, trying to train people to make those educated guesses, do you think, when it comes to recruitment? I
1: find like uh, at least from my experience on the recruiting side that that's a difficult thing to sort of assess properly in the recruiting process um so i mean it's it's more so training i'd say in our sort of way of of doing it um so yeah it's it's definitely more on the training front at least for us uh, i haven't uh had much success with sort of outside of like some basic questions and, you know, working through some past examples and stuff like that where you kind of get a little bit of a taste of how they would approach, you know, um, the data side of things or how they use data to make certain decisions and insights. So you can kind of do it through, through that sort of question, but you're not going to really get a taste or a proper taste of it until you're, you're in it with them and you're seeing how they, how they sort of operate. So there's definitely a lot of training involved on that front, but I think it's 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 one of those things that just requires repetitions. You know, the more you do it, the better you get at it, sort of uh, sort of better you get at it.
0: And I, and I suppose it, it depends on the person, like the the amount of training it requires. Because I feel like what a lot of a lot of CMOS and a lot of uh, a lot of companies are moving away from the idea of having like a strict a one size fits all. In terms of like learning and development, in terms of regression, they're moving more to sort of like a bespoke way of doing it. Like you're talking directly to employees, to new recruits, and trying to work out what it, what they're trying to get from the role, what they try and develop in terms of skills, what are they trying to achieve within that role. Like so, how important is it that a person has that ultimate mindset of like problem solving of going through data to find the problem as their ultimate goal when it comes to being a marketer? Like, is that, should that be the end goal for all marketers or is that just a particular like type of people within the marketing space?
1: Well, I don't want to say that. I mean, sifting through data is sort of the pulling the right insights, sort of the end goal. Like we have an objective that we're looking to achieve. And I think, my goal would be for everyone on the team to be, you know, effective to be autonomous in the way that they figure out how to, you know, achieve that objective, right? Whether it's sifting through data to find insights from, you know, historical campaigns we've done, or you know, to sort of assess how what is happening in the ecosystem right now to lean on, or it's really about, you know. Um, it's really about building a team of like a problem solvers. I mean, one of our core values is, is around problem solving just because it's just it's what we do every single day, right? Data is only like a component of that. Uh, you know, sometimes a larger component and sometimes, you know, plays, uh, plays a lesser part. So I think for me, you know, when we go through onboarding, go through, you know, how how we collect data, why we collect data, what we use data for, Right. And it's, you know, it's definitely something that requires like periodic, like pause. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we, you know, spending that? Like, you know, is it helping us achieve or is it helping me achieve the right, uh, the objective? Right. And if it's not, then you're not sort of following that uh, simplest, most effective path to achieving the objective. Right. So, it's definitely as the team has grown, as the organization has grown and more opportunities and more channels and, you know, um, more problems, more challenges, right. It's you just every individual just has to be really effective at knowing what they're optimizing for, knowing like the objective that they're looking to achieve and, and knowing what the sim- taking really the simplest and most effective path that they can. And then I think often what I see is we make the mistake of thinking that the hardest path is always the right path, right? So, and often it's not, right? And so all part of like, you know, conversations we have internally, it's like, what would this look like if it was simple, right? If you had to do this from scratch, because you came into this role and this is how we've been doing it when you came in. If you had to do this from scratch, would you do it the exact same way? or would you take a different approach? And so it's just sort of like exercises like that, to try to put people in the position where they're forced to think about the end goal and not the process, right? And so however that ties into like the data component, right? I mean, data is sometimes just a key part if we're gonna you know, map out a campaign, like it's useful to be able to recall, look back at the data from a similar campaign we've run and make sure we're using and leaning on the things that worked really well and cutting out the stuff, you know, that didn't. Um, so that, that would be sort of like my, I guess, take on, you know, the whole training and, and, and onboarding and development parts. Like how, how do we, how do you teach individuals to just, to, you know, solve problems, focus on the end objective, know what to look for, who to ask, et cetera. And, and my role is really just being, you know, providing the support resources and guidance they need to move more quickly to their desired objective. And, you know, and I I feel like I've, over the years, just sort of developed the experience and sort of like this historical data set in my own head of like, oh, I remember we did this this way, or we did that that way, or, oh, we use this tool, this might be effective, you want to try it. So you're really just trying to, or I'm just really trying to like resolve roadblocks for for individuals so i feel like i went off tangent there a little bit but hopefully (laughs) that gives a sense of you know at least the what i'm what i'd be looking for you know from people that i work with to just really be autonomous problem solvers that know how to uh, identify and achieve the objective in the simplest the most effective way
0: definitely um and i think some of the some of the some of the ways you were talking about that process like Made me think of it as sort of like an engineering mindset. The idea of like questioning why you're using certain tools, trying to find the simplest method to do something, trying to be efficient in the way you do things. Um, like to me, that sounds like something that that is like an engineer's job. When you get right down to mm. it, is do you think do you think that is something that's been instilled with you by your, your engineering background? Like is that is that the idea of like taking into taking ownership of like the resources that you're using to to reach your goal, like taking ownership of the tools that you're using, of the materials you're using, like like that sounds to me like an engineering mindset to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, even just going back to that, you know, example of, you know, creating these wall panels, right? Like at the end of the day, the objective is to create uh, uh, a really... Cool-looking wall panel that's easy for that's easy to assemble, right? And so, it's that—that's the objective. What's the most the simplest, most effective way for me to to achieve that, right? Who do I need to speak to? Obviously, okay. Let me talk to the installers. Let me say, like, all right, what's what are some pain points for you? You know, when you're installing. So I make sure I'm I'm thinking through that. Uh, when I'm designing how they're sort of stacking together, you know, if I'm, if I'm talking, if I'm obviously it's going to be operated by, you know, someone who's going to be operating the machine, how do I, you know, sort of minimize the steps that they need to take in order to, you know, um, have to like knock out whatever volume of these is necessary. Like, and then obviously whatever's involved in like the actual manufacturing of the, 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 a manufacturing of the panel itself, right? The machine has is going to follow the steps that you that you give it to follow, and so I have to like really think through what's the simplest way to get this like profile uh, of the edge of the panel that I need, right? I could take five steps, fifteen steps, whatever it might be. Um, pros and cons there. So you're sort of like really taking in all these different data points, inputs, reference points, whatever you want to call them, to try to achieve this end objective of having a cool, easy to assemble uh, panel, right? And so, yeah, I'm referencing a lot of different, you know, data points, you know, but a lot of also inputs from other individuals. And um, yeah, definitely that sort of style uh, uh, of working translates or it has translated into marketing, right? Like talking to people, collaborating, pulling the right insights, but always keeping that end objective in mind. and just really getting away from, it's really easy these days to complicate things. I find like that's its a really big roadblock because um, we're all trying to like, you know, just make everything so complicated and flashy. And sometimes that's fine, but I just find it just bogs down uh, departments and individuals. And I feel like we can just revisit that question of if I was to do this from scratch, like, you know, how would I do this, right? I think Tim Ferriss had this, like, good question around, like, if you had only two hours a day to do your job, how would you do, like, what would you do, right? So, it really forces you to think, right? Like, you know, I just lost six hours or six hours a day, right? And I I know what my my objective doesn't change. How am I going to achieve that, right? It really forces you to think about the path that you need to take. And suddenly you start finding all sorts of fluff that you can strip away just to get to like that, um, to that core objective, right? And so, you know, that's obviously like an extreme example, but it's the same sort of mindset to really, you know, streamline. And that just takes practice and knowing you
0: know, and, and I find keeping that end objective in mind is always going to serve you well. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I think that's, uh, that's, a, that's a great note to maybe wrap things up with the Surgeon. Um, yeah, streamlining, finding, uh, keeping your eyes on the, on the final target. I think it's got to be something that marketers need to keep in mind always. Um, like You could have all these flashy bells and whistles on your campaign, but if you're not hitting your end objectives, then you need to get rid of those bells and whistles because they're clearly not working
1: that's right yeah. yeah well no yeah I mean it's uh it's uh it's been definitely a journey for me I mean coming from from engineering into marketing I still feel like and I say this all the time to my you know to you new know, recruits and when they ask me what's it like at crossroad I mean honestly it still feels like day one to me you know where I'm st- I'm still, you know, figuring out, you know, things as I go. And there's always new problems, new challenges. Um, So nothing's changed. That's what sort of kept it exciting. What's kept it, you know, really interesting. Um, And it's only going to continue getting more and more sort of complex. And I think it's uh, sort of like, I guess, what what makes it a little fun for us engineers who are always looking for that next problem to solve.
0: (laughs) always looking for the next problem to solve yeah definitely yeah. um so but on, on like a final note um what are, what are some good resources where people can can sort of learn these these processes these sort of direct approaches that you've discussed like are there any particular like good engineering resources that cmo should be listening to or is it just just finding the right podcast the right uh, the right blogs the right uh, people to follow on online
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't have any specific uh, engineering resources. Uh, I mean, for me, you know, the most effective ways uh, or or, um, resources have just been, like you said, books and podcasts have served me very well. Like we're we're talking, you know, really smart, really experienced people, dispelling all their knowledge and text and and audio and right there for you to absorb. So, I mean, I, I spend... A lot of time listening and reading, and not everything is always something I'm going to act on immediately, but it's it stays with me um, similar to how some of the engineering stuff has it's, It stays with me and um, when I'm ready and I need to deploy something I, I can oh I know I remember that book has the exact um, things or, or, or answers to these questions or this podcast sort really of gives me new insights of things to explore and dig into so um, definitely that front. And I'd say, you know, if you're what I mentioned earlier, like the best way, um, and this is something that, you know, when, when I speak sometimes for like people ask me around career advice, right? You know, um, just got out of school. I can't get an interview, like, I can't. Like I'm saying, cause I don't have the experience. I say, make your own experience, right? There's go build something, go do something you know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be like this complicated side project, but go launch a podcast, you know, go launch, go, go write a blog, go, you know, go do something with no code, build something, right. Have something to show, talk about it, get, put yourself out there. It'll through the process, you'll learn a tremendous amount and it's going to serve you very well, at least from my perspective, when, you know, if you're looking for that next level in your, in your marketing career, like, Those are the things that separate you uh, because they show um, the right characteristics and traits that I find are just necessary if you want to be successful in in, uh, really any marketing, uh, marketing role. Definitely. Yeah. yeah.
0: I I think, I think make your own experience. I think that applies whether you're at entry level or if you're like the CMO of like the biggest company in the world, like you, like you've always got to find that be able to make your own experience.
1: I'm I'm still like tinkering. I still do you know have my own little side projects just to continue working on my writing. To continue sort of you know writing is sort of like this forced function that requires you to learn something before you can effectively write about it. And so you know I, even though I have a million things you know to do with Crossrope, I try to carve out some time a little bit every week just to work on these little things. I learn something new. Um, so you're right. It doesn't matter what level you're at. I think it's, um, it's, it's one of those things you can do that can really make a big difference because you can learn s- sort of like the, the skills and make the necessary connections that are going to sort of take you, your business, whatever it might be like to that, to that next level. So.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, surgeon. This has been great. Um, I think it's a very valuable lesson, no matter what stage your career is, you they carve out that time, make your experience, Make those connections. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you once again, Surgeon, for joining us today, and um, thank you, listeners, for listening. And we'll be back soon with more CMO combos.